0: This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.
1: He went from refugee to winning a gold medal as America's best baker. He's now an entrepreneur in Salt Lake City. You're going to meet him. You're going to love him. This is Jim DeBacchus, Inside Salt Lake. This is Inside Salt Lake with Jim DeBacchus. Today, a remarkable story of a refugee who's built an empire in Salt Lake that is exploding not only across Utah, but across America. He came, well, let's ask, Alberto Diaz, how much money did you have when you crossed the border?
0: (laughs) I had, um, I think I had $100, enough to get me uh, the ticket for a Greyhound. From uh, the immigration facility in Texas to uh, Miami, and then another Greyhound from Miami to Salt Lake
1: City. So the tale doesn't go f- begin in Mexico. No, it doesn't. It begins a chapter before in the sunny tropical paradise of Cuba. Yes. You were born there?
0: I was born there, 72. The the highest uh I what, it, what would I call it? I don't know. It's the the cusp the cusp of communism in in Cuba. It was it was life, it was strong, everything was great back then.
1: As I a think, kid you liked it. I mean it well, worked, it, you I got mean, I,
0: well we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor and schools were good and you know, we have food or at least enough. Um and, uh, yeah, the, it, was, it was great. I mean, I had a great childhood. I, I don't remember anything else besides that. Um, the things got bad around, in, in, you know, late 80s and 90s when really everything just went completely, you know, part of my language, south.
1: Let's talk about idyllic communism in Cuba. I mean, you, you, you have a big family. Yes. You have uh, a terrifically strong mother. Mm-hmm. And how many brothers?
0: So we, we're four, four boys. Um, uh, my mom basically was a single mom after I was, I, I think it was six. Um, and she kept pretty busy trying to, you know, take care of us. Um, of course, you know, in communism, the food is guaranteed. We didn't pay for rent. Um, and everything was somewhat... Uh, pretty economical, and healthcare was the same, so we didn't have to worry about any other stuff. So, in a, in general, I didn't see uh, how poor we were when it comes to um, comparing myself to anybody else. And uh, in our neighborhood and our school, we all were living kind of in the same area. We had a couple of kids that had a little bit of extra money. We had actually, I had a family in my uh, in my same block of a, um, um, a family that the dad was. Uh, I was not a politician. He was a, oh, what's the word? A uh, diplomat? He, he was a diplomat. He yeah. worked in an embassy in Germany. Yeah. So I, I got to see what people that got out of the country used to bring and, and share. And and it was definitely, you know, a different point of view. But we understood. It was just, oh, he had that job, and that's what people with that job get. But he still lived in the same block, and we still went and played together in the same house. And you know what I mean? There was no separation between the kid with the dad that had a better job and could travel than uh, from us the kid that didn't have anything and his mom was working for to take care of three kids and So that's my my you know my tainted perspective of that time
1: So you you were a good student
0: I was a very good student And yes. then
1: you went on from high school to the university
0: Yes, I actually yeah, went to college after, actually, it, when you go to elementary school, then you go to middle school, and then when you go to high school in Cuba, uh, back then, they send you to the countryside to go to high school, and that means you are um, around 11 days uh, in, in a border school, you're outside the city, and you do half a day in class and half a day in the countryside, so you're actually planting, picking uh, and do any kind of work from, from bananas to potatoes to tomatoes to everything. So I spent three years working and studying in the countryside while I was in high school. Um, and that taught me a lot. I mean, I, it, it, was, it was kind of something that nobody wanted to do, but it was, it, you had to. Um, and it kind of made me uh, a, a little bit understanding of where things come from, where food comes from, how much work it takes and how much effort and how hard it is. Um, after that, I uh, did
1: that did spending that half a day mm. uh, out raising fruits and vegetables, did that let's foreshadow a little bit that you're gonna become really one of America's top bakers and cooks and chefs, Did that time, with your hands full of dirt, did that help? or not really? You know, I
0: don't, I don't know. I, I think that actually helped make me who I am, made me understanding. And, and when I said we were built, we were growing these vegetables, we're, we were not doing a little uh, garden in the back of the school. We're, we were actually producing the food that the people in the city were going to eat. These fields were miles long. And, and we had to do all the work. And, uh, and, and we were not the only school. There were schools every so many acres of students that would go there. Um, and, and I think what it did is it's just taught me, um, you know, the value of hard work and, and understanding where things come from more than anything. Could you Nowadays, not work there?
1: What if you didn't work uh,
0: So there, there was only one option, and that was uh, you had to be there's, – there's these schools. We, we used to call them elite schools. Uh, that you will go if you had an allergy, if you had allergies, if you lived in a specific neighborhood, or if your parents could get you into that specific school. It sounds like you had to pay but it, wasn't it? Was about connections and, and um, medical issues. But most of the most of the kids during my time, they just went there. Uh, so it was not any way to get so out. Did you
1: work hard in the field? And it's free. I, 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 wh- I mean, they didn't pay you. You don't pay get you. pay. No, yeah. you
0: don't get pay. And and yeah, you, I mean, you have you have to follow specific amounts that you have to do. Or for what the happens? Day. I mean, they're not paying.
1: Um, they can't dock your pay. I mean, <laughs> what what happens? So that
0: you you lose points because you're 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 also getting ready to go to college, and all of this information is in your permanent file, right? You guys have a permanent file here, so we did too. And this will affect your ability to get into college, which is what ultimately you were working on. Um, now, remember, too, before going to college, you had to go to the Army. You have to serve. Because right there, you finish around 16, 17, 18. And then from that, you have to serve two years of and Army. So you
1: went off to the Cuban Army.
0: Then I went to the Army before I went to college.
1: And uh, did you learn a lot there as well? As I, in the field?
0: I think that was the biggest lesson for me of all the lessons I've ever learned. Um, And it was um, all about uh, how much you can take, you know, how much pain, how much um, yelling, how much suffering, how much walking, how much weight you can carry, uh, crappy food you have to eat, sleepless night in the forest with mosquitoes and a gun on the back and... Uh, so you enjoyed your time in the army? Uh, it was huh? great was it was the it was <laughs> best time of my life Is that mandatory every' mandatory every boy every boy every oh, boy okay. girls were not mandatory by then um, did you
1: tell them what kind of a baker you were and what, how they were oh, wa- how they no, were it didn't wasting matter. you out in the mosquito land
0: uh, you know what I was I was smart enough to understand what were my uh, strength and I, I, I sold myself. As kind of like the designer, so I end up painting the barracks and putting slogans everywhere and <laughs> doing stuff like that. I was lucky too to go into a communication uh, battalion, so we were uh, responsible to, um, you know, put uh, telephone lines and stuff like that. Uh, but and you
1: were painting slogans of Fidel. The, or yeah, Fidels yeah. and revolutionary. Do you remember is your like favorite that? slogan from Fidel?
0: Uh, I don't remember. Let me see. Oh, there was one that was It's called Cuba va, which means Cuba goes. Or that, you know, we're going somewhere. Kind of a meaning. I like and that. that. What very, is it called? Cuba va. Cuba va. Cuba va. Cuba va. So Cuba, yeah, Cuba with a B and then va with a V. Oh. So Cuba va. So, and it was, uh, it was pretty strong but then. That was the first year. The second year t- turned a little bit tough when uh, there was some kind of uh, situation with uh, with the United States, you know, it's always on the edge right in Cuba, and we had to start building um, uh, storage and, and, and put weapons and stuff away, and I had to uh, work on digging caves and flattening caves and, uh, and basically uh, getting caves in this limestone forest
1: is it still a skill you have? If, in case anybody <laughs> needs a cave, I, I, I well,
0: guess what? I, I know something happens, and I know I know where I can just you know find <laughs> my cave and what I have to do to survive in it. I guess it's a skill I carry with me forever. But but that was not uh, the best job ever. Um, I actually got a a bacteria into my joints, back then because of the guano and the you know all the animals living in the caves. But we would also taught me. Um, to not be afraid of like complete silence and darkness, which is what I had to deal with when I was in the caves. So again, everything that I've done, you know, the the, the schools with the countryside and the co- and the army, it just taught me uh, something. It just term- taught me to be resilient, to not give up, and to understand that no matter how bad it gets, it's not going to get
1: any worse than that. <laughs> so then you went. Uh, you did get accepted in college. Yes, and you. You studied something very unusual. I actually study uh,
0: computers. I actually went to mechanical engineering first, um, and then after that, I transferred to computer science.
1: I thought you did like partying, or no? That's what, what that's that? what you wanted. That me was to your do. graduate degree, what or what, what,
0: what? No, no, that was that was not that. So I went to college, um, uh, and I, I actually I wanted to do computer science, uh, but then it it was the year nineteen ninety two, and the Russian Empire collapsed. Right. And Why was
1: that such bad news for Cuba? Oh my
0: gosh, everything we had was coming from the socialist uh, country. So food, gas, equipment, computers, softwares, everything came from there. So here we are going to college and, and, and we were having our food was cane juice and a piece of bread soaking sugar syrup. Uh, Topped with some kind of custard and, and then vegetable croquettes, which meant it was flour stirred with onions and then shaped into a croquette and then deep fried without being breaded or anything. That's, that's what we were eating at coll- in college. And I had to go in my uh, Chinese bike. That back then, that's the only bike we got from the government, and that bike was promised you like 300 pounds. That's how heavy it was. It wasn't made out of aluminum. It was made out of iron, and um, so I had to go do that. I I got really really skinny. I could barely concentrate when I went to school. When I was in school, and then I decided that I uh, you know I was just gonna quit college because there's no way I could keep up with that after three years. So I went and tried to get into culinary school in Cuba. There's only one culinary school in Havana. So after months and months of going to school, looking at doors, see if I could get in, if I could get an interview, um, that never happened. But there was a post about um, an entertainment school. Entertainment school. Entertainment school. And th- this is what you will understand now as, as what people in the cruise ship, pe- the, the cruise ship people do. The dancing, the entertaining, the classes, you know, the, the lessons and the, the playing at the, at the swimming pool, basically exactly what the uh, entertainers at a cruise ship do now i that's what i went to school for um and i worked in hotels uh for a few years
1: and we met
0: and then that's how we met
1: you were you were entertaining we became friends um when did you first get the idea i can i can get off of this island or i should get off of this island
0: well, you know, everything was uh, everything was was tough, and it was hard, and we had nothing. But I, um, I actually never personally was in my head was planning to leave the island. Um, but you know, some things happening, Havana. With me, you know, um, I, I started working with tourists and I had connections with people from like Germany and America and people will send me their friends for me to tour them in Havana and whatnot. And uh, it became evident to the Cuban government that I had too many connections outside of the country. And which is a bad thing. Which bad thing was bad, was yeah. a bad thing. Cause yeah. bad thing was, I mean, the dollars were, you couldn't have a dollar. If you found you with one dollar bill, you go to jail. Um, so, you know, having all this stuff that I couldn't work for the government anymore.
1: What, what were you making at th- that time in dollars?
0: Uh, probably around 10, 10 to $12 a month.
1: A month. Mm-hmm. So do you tell your imp- many, many employees now when they start whining about a raise? Do you say
0: $12 an hour? Are you kidding me?
1: That's, a, that's what they used that's to make, what I used a, month? To make it a month. And they say, "Okay, we've heard that speech." Yeah, <laughs> it's like
0: I don't. It's, it's like I don't care. I, you didn't pay for rent, back there, they're right. I didn't pay for rent. So.
1: Um, so you make these connections. You begin to be a little bit suspicious to whatever the, the Cuban it's police a, it's are. It's called the
0: G two, which is like the K G B in Russia.
1: And and that that's a problem because when they put you on a black ball and say. The government won't hire you. The government...
0: Owns everything.
1: Owns every single job in the country. Yeah. So when they won't hire you, that's the very bad blacklist to get on.
0: Yeah, so because I was in a the blacklist, and I decided if I'm already in the blacklist, I might as well just go into the black market. So
1: I opened a bakery. A illegal bakery. An illegal bakery. In your mom's house. Yes. Because I remember being there and watching people knock on the door, and they would... You specialized in cakes,
0: yeah. right? Well, it, that's the only thing I could make. I had only flour, flour, eggs, sugar and fruit. Period. Period.
1: And it was limited too, right? Yeah. I mean, you were you couldn't go to the store and buy eggs.
0: No, I had to go by I have to buy eggs from neighbors that that didn't want to eat eggs so they would use that money to eat something else. So I had I you know, we got 15 eggs uh, a month.
1: So you were given like a ration 15, of food. Yeah,
0: but then it was 15 eggs for the whole month. So you get an egg every other day. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to the neighbors to find out which, which had 15 eggs. Who had an <laughs> the, extra egg extra or two? Or, or five, or they just want to get rid of. And then I would buy the eggs from them. Um, and the same with the sugar. And the flour was a little bit more complicated, because flour could only be purchased in like bakeries, like government bakeries. So that was the biggest deal.
1: So you right. made you made more than one birthday cake without any flour at all. No,
0: I make them with flour, but okay, I, have to like, had flour. I have to like buy the flour from the government baker, which basically was stealing from the government. Which I was stealing from the government.
1: Yeah, but right? so was the baker who was selling it. Yeah, you? so and I
0: was stealing from the government because I because you know people didn't want to eat just the the one four ounce roll that the government will give them. I mean, I would give them the option of of having access to uh, cakes and, and pastries that they wouldn't have purchased otherwise. They wouldn't, the government wouldn't give it to them. They wouldn't have the money to buy directly from the government. And the bakeries, actually, But then, were not making any of that stuff anymore.
1: As I recall, you got busted with more than 15 eggs. Yeah. You could have gone to the big house.
0: Yes, I almost did. But then I hid. I hid for, like, 15 days on the process of leaving the island. Uh um
1: so you called me as i recall yes i did and i got a cryptic message which i didn't understand not being and i here's what i remember about it you can correct me mm-hmm. hi jim this is that alberto a cuban baseball team is coming to salt lake city are you going to be there and i thought oh that's odd yeah when, when are they coming next few days and i said what are you what are you talking about a good, Cuban baseball team is coming, yeah, what do you want me to, yeah, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> well, really, what you were trying to tell me was.
0: I was leaving the island, and I was wondering if you actually could help me if that was <laughs> the case. We're
1: going to be there, right?
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, do I have any help if I have to leave tomorrow?
1: And, and uh, how did you actually, you got permission to leave, right? I didn't, actually. I oh, bought
0: permission to leave. What does that mean? I, I had to buy a fake visa to go to Mexico.
1: Oh, I didn't know it was fake.
0: Yeah, I bought a fake visa to go to Mexico. And that was the scariest part because I was in the airport in Havana with this document that somewhat was real because it was given by the Mexican embassy, but it was was based on nothing, right? So we had to bribe the people in the Mexican embassy.
1: So they would Um, sell visas to Cubans that came up with enough pesos. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happened. Exactly. So then... Then I remember you called me from Mexico City. you mm-hmm. landed in Mexico City,
0: right? Yeah, and I had to call because I didn't have any anywhere else to go.
1: And you were just excited. I mean, you were you were eu- euphoric, as I recall. Yeah, I was
0: excited, and I was very scared. Yeah. Yeah, I was very But
1: scared. Mexico City is a long way from
0: the United States. Well, I didn't know that back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a far away from Havana. As far as I'm concerned, that was the most important thing.
1: So how did you end up... How did you get to the border?
0: So uh, I had to get uh, an American guy, um, basically a mule or you know whatever you call them now, coyote, uh, to drive me to the border. So because because as a Cuban with a uh, working visa in Mexico, I was I was supposed to be just in Mexico City. Um, so if they stop me anywhere near the border, they will deport me back to Cuba right? So uh, it was it was the most important thing is to get um, somebody that would take me to the border and the most secure thing was getting an American guy to do it. Uh, this guy is somebody that I was you know I, I, I met through somebody else in Havana that told me that uh, he was gonna help and of course you know we had to pay for that. that wasn't that wasn't free. And you didn't even know this person. I didn't know and I didn't know if they would show up or not. Oh my gosh!
1: Okay, so then you get to the border, and he says, Here, "Okay, kid."
0: There's a the, the bridge over there. Go for it! You run. have to go to the bridge. And and so I, I, you know, walked the bridge, went to the the immigration office, the American immigration, the American immigration. Did you have any
1: office. problems with the Mexicans leaving? No, 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 no. They I don't looked care. like
0: another Mexican crossing the border, so it, it was fine. I, I just it was just another Mexican, and they <laughs> they say it's like, well, no. No illegal immigrant is going to blatantly just cross the the thing (laughs) Nobody's that stupid, right? Yeah, nobody's that stupid. So it's probably somebody that's going to the United States to work, which a lot of people do in that area. Um, That was Mm. McAllen, which is a hotspot right now. Um, And I went and crossed the border and and said, I'm Cuban and I'm here to ask for asylum.
1: We should say, at that time, it's no longer true, Mm. any Cuban national that stepped foot on American territory was automatically granted status.
0: No. No? No. Every Cuban national that came and touched American soil had the right Uh, to an asylum hearing.
1: I see. But the presumption was that... And the
0: presumption was, too, that the the immigration office all the doc, all the paper takes so long. There was another law which is was rescinded by um, Obama that after a year and a day of granted the the, the parole to come into the country, uh, Cubans had the uh, right to become a permanent resident, which you, which I took advantage of.
1: All right, so you get to the you get to the border. the As for asylum, the, you ask for asylum. They stemmed, they Were they, sp- they nice to you?
0: Uh, No, the first person told me, yeah, here, fill out this paperwork, go back to Mexico and we'll call you.
1: (laughs) And did you know better? I
0: knew better because I was told
1: and and And
0: I was told to say, no, I won't move out of here until uh, you process me. I'll I'll sleep here. I'll be here. So they actually made me sleep in a room full of um, concrete. It was very cold concrete room for a few hours and I didn't know what was going on. Right. Uh, then they come over and they say, hey, come over here. We're going to get you processed. And I didn't know what that meant. So they start, you know, taking my fingerprints and whatnot. And I'm freaked out because I'm the first time in my life I've ever been in, like, a jail or prison or whatever. And this is the first contact with somebody that was nice. The person taking my fingerprints noticed that I was shaky. And he said, you had nothing to worry anymore. You're now in America. Oh. So that was, you know, that also told me the lesson that not everybody that works for immigration is the same, <laughs> and not everybody that's in there uh, have the same, you know, Im- image or idea of uh, immigrants, and that's something that we have to be aware to. Not everybody in there is um, neither bigot or racist or, or or a xenophobe. Good or bad. Um, yeah, you you cannot just assume that everybody's that way. Years and later, uh, we
1: g- we'll, we can talk about this when we get to the point in mm-hmm. this story, but a very successful, out about gets in his car and drives to the border and does some amazing things, but that's going to happen later in the later. story. All right, so you arrive, you get processed.
0: I get to jail.
1: <coughs> you get to jail. The <laughs> food was good. Oh, my God. And that's when there. you decided, okay, America needs cuisine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. That was f- the worst 21 days of my life, I think, uh, being in, in the, uh processing center in... Uh, um, Texas. in Texas. It was it was it was so bad. So
1: where did you go right after that?
0: After that, I, I took a a, a a five day Greyhound to Florida.
1: Did you have Did you have your Cuban passport at that time? I
0: have my Cuban passport. Yes. Uh, okay. So
1: yeah. now you're free. They say, it. okay, you're out of here. And yeah. what? You still have that hundred bucks? I I, I have one hundred bucks. Yeah. And you've got a visa, and you've mm. got your passport. I didn't have a visa. Uh, I, I you had, got, I you had a parole. Documents. I had a little parole yeah. with
0: with my alien number, right. which was my first idea. That you know, I, I the first thing that tells you you don't belong. You have an alien number, <laughs> uh, so so you know you're not from here. You know. You're an alien. So um,
1: you, you're it's your first look at America. You get on the bus, uh, and there's frankly no better way to see the beauty of America than in a greyhound bus in the summer in, in the across south. the south. Yeah. yeah. So you arrive in Florida is all you have any money left? Do you have relatives there? Weren't I
0: have my aunt in there and she was gonna uh keep us in there for a couple of days on the way back to Salt Lake. Um the biggest challenge on the Greyhound was my English wasn't that good back then. And
1: it's then still well, not.
0: you know of course this place is still not good. Yeah. But uh but we stop at a, of course fat, fat fast food places all the time, right? And then I, I'm in the south, and there is this person in the register telling me what to choose. And I look at the numbers, and I, I somewhat can read. So I said, like, I want number one. That's all I said, or number two. And then, of course, the answer wasn't, okay, here's number one. The answer was, like, uh, what, else, what else would you like? Would you like, you know, mashed potatoes, biscuit, blah, 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 hors <laughs> And I didn't understand half of that. Right. And like, like, nothing. It was so fast. It, the accent was so strong, I was just like, what was that? And, um, you know, that was the first hit with language um, because they were they're, they're moving, it's a different area. Um, I'm used to like TV English or you know English that was slow and digested, pre-digested for me.
1: It's it's interesting that a Cuban would be thrown off by fast talking. Fast right? talking, yeah, right? Well, you we know, speak you'd think fast, you'd, but yeah. You think you'd be? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a yeah, difference. Spa- you think Cubans the are used to be. hello? So you get to Florida. Your aunt says, "Okay, you've been here a week. Time for you to move <laughs> yeah, on. <laughs> move on. Or, I don't uh, have space
0: for you. I don't have space. <laughs> yeah."
1: And so you came to Salt Lake. Yes. And
0: to live in a basement.
1: You lived in uh, uh, Lee Williams' basement. Uh-huh, yep. And your first job was?
0: Uh, what it was, was what? Uh, what, well, my first job was painting houses. Painting houses, yeah. Yeah, painting houses. I remember Rob Yeah, Rod, and, I remember. And uh, that was my job. And I, uh, I, was, I had the pleasure to work with a company that specialized in painting o- with oil paint. And I was responsible for painting uh, closets with oil paint. Mm. So there were my lungs, um, <laughs> but that was the job like I had. Like a pack
1: a day. <laughs> so you 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 went through that, yep. but you're still smelling around. You want to get into food. You're mm-hmm. f- so the next job is Rick Sparsa. Rick Sparsa, who had, a, had uh, a, a cafe downtown.
0: Yeah, he where Ma- Le Madeline's is now. Yeah, uh, that was Rico's. Right. Rico No, not Rico. Sorry, not Rico's. Was Ur- Urban Bistro.
1: Yeah, over by the library. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, urban bistro was over by the lab- library and that was my first job as a as a chef and my first uh hit of spicy food against my will given to me by mexican chefs <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was like you know here sit down eat this. Uh, oh this is just black beans <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't uh, so flat. It wasn't just flat games.
1: So you, you learned there. Your next job is... Orbit Cafe. Fort, you were a pastry chef there. Yes. Then Grand where did Ameri- you go after then, that?
0: Then I went to work for the Grand America Hotel when it just opened. In the pastry? In the pastry kitchen. Okay, then after that, I went to Yule House, uh, the Cheese House in Foothill Village, uh-huh. uh, where I met Marie and started working at Roth concert center, teaching classes and doing... Uh, you know, little segments and whatnot. I that was the first time I ever did TV. And you were doing was, cooking uh, classes. I did cooking classes. Yeah, and I did TV segments. Right. On channel um, two. On as I channel recall. two, yeah, yeah. That was my first time on TV and that was the first time I ever said uh, cookie shit on TV. Um and uh yeah, I guess they liked it because they kept calling me back. They
1: kept calling you? Yeah.
0: So then you finished up there and you went to then I yeah I went to work for Frank Granados, to really. Granado, you know, Sam Frank Granado San or Frank, Frank? Yeah, Frank yeah, Granado yeah. importing company. Sam Granado hired me. Yeah, and I worked for him for a, a few years until um, I mean I went working for there. I remember him reminding me every day how when I started I told him that I only wanted to make thirteen dollars an hour. Uh, and by the time I was leaving Granada, so I was making sixty thousand dollars a year, and he just kept telling me, "You remember when you told me you only wanted thirteen dollars an hour?"
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, now you're building. I mean, you're yes. pushy. Yeah. You're not. You're not content to go be there and earn ten dollars an hour forever. You're, every job. Nobody fired you. You're you're just pushing for the next empire. So Well, we, I was
0: just learning. I mean, my job, when I come to America from, from Cuba, I, I mean, I had nothing to compare it to. I had to learn as much as I could of everything I could. Professionally. Uh, professionally. And that meant, you know, from, from from how the computers work to how the system works, so, to banking, to ordering, to equipment, to, uh, you know, uh, suppliers, to mass production after S-
1: after sam what ha- what happened or after granados so
0: the the the, the, the uh downwards economy came mm. and granados was in the in, in, in trying to make a decision if they were going to invest and get better or just stay quiet and the same and not change and i was the one pushing for change and uh they, it's it was scary back then i mean there was no money and uh, and I said well it's it's we're, we're not making a lot of money you're paying me a lot um I'm not doing enough for for this money you're paying me I need to go somewhere else to 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 feel like I, that what I, somebody's paying me is worth what I'm doing um so I left um, I left Granados uh, without knowing if I was going to get a second job, I started working doing private chefing uh, for another company, until I got a phone call from Utah Valley University. Out of the blue. Um, out of the blue. They called and said, "We want to make you a professor. We want we needed a, a teacher for uh, bread, and I was I was somebody that knew how to do bread in town. And you learned I, read, that I already Granados. had a name, and I learned that at Granados. Yeah. So I had a name uh, on that, and and when the university hired me uh, to do that job after interviews, of course I was not the only candidate, but I guess I already had experience teaching because I was working for Roth still teaching classes. So I had experience teaching and I had experience with with the subject they needed. And I've been working with with food and baking for many years by the time they needed that person. Well, suddenly there. Uh, and it's a
1: good job. It's a great job. You got job. a great retirement. You You're working with kids. You got a fortune. Yep. And next thing you know, you quit. Well, it took five years. Okay, okay. but the next like, thing you know, you're not sitting around anymore. You got to go to the next level. So, where do we go here? Harmons. Uh, Harmons. Harman's, yeah, where you start running all of their cool. Well, I started working classes. as a as oh.
0: teaching the class at the Culinary Center in in Creek, Creek, eventually becoming the National Pastry Chef for the year two thousand
1: twelve. Okay, Just take one step back. So okay. you're going, pretty soon you're running Harmons. Then the next thing that happens is out of 4,000 pastry chefs, you go down to Orlando mm-hmm. to compete for Bakery Person of the Year, right?
0: National Pastry Chef of the Year.
1: Nas- is there a bathing suit portion of that? Yes, yes and there's... I look
0: really good, okay. too.
1: <laughs> and out of the 4,000, were you surprised, shocked that you won? No, no, okay, but so you got confidence that you can do it?
0: No, because it wasn't about confidence; it's about work. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, we were, I mean, me and my assistant Lynn Wells worked every day, ten to twelve hours, practicing for that competition. So and it wasn't a joke. It was we were very committed, and we were really, really hard to get to where we won. The most important thing, and I remember about that experience, is that when we were competing, I was, I didn't care if I was going to win or not. I was just baking, and and I think I, I, it was funny for me to see all the other bakers getting angry, like yelling, throwing things around as things went bad, which happened to all of us, including me, but, but I wasn't. You like, won the gold medal. I got the gold.
1: And as I remember, it was about that same time that your brothers and your mom got out of Cuba after waiting... Unlike you, to come out legally.
0: They came 12 years. So, at 12, uh, they came in 2000. They arrived a few days before I became the National Pacer Chef of the Year. And they were there. And they were there. Yes. So, there it is. And I have to so- thank Harmans for bringing my entire family um, to see the event. Where I became the national spaceship. You mean they,
1: they paid for all of your brothers and yeah. your mom and, and everybody to go in the hotel and yeah. news, all that? They
0: were very gracious, and I'm always going to be great, grateful for that.
1: And so as you won this medal in front of all these people in Orlando, voila, there's your family. They've escaped. The new life is coming, mm-hmm. and here you are. Okay, you're on television. It's around this time you start getting national television cake, Right. Not yet. Oh, okay. Not yet. Okay. You go back to Harmon's. Did you carry the gold medal around? Like when you were shopping at Smith's, do you carry that gold medal?
0: I tried, but, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it was heavy.
1: They Okay. <laughs> All right. So off we go. You keep working for Harmon's, but again, they wouldn't let you be president of Harmon's. You decided, <laughs> okay, I'm going somewhere else. I got I got to push harder. I, I,
0: had, a, I had a vision of what I wanted to do at Harmon's. And, um, and, uh, and Harmons wasn't uh, ready for it at that moment. Um, uh, I mean, it, it's not my company. I, right. I mean, I have no right no, to tell No, you wanted Harman's, to be your own. Yeah, and I, I have no right to tell Harman's how to run their own yeah. business. I just, I, I can suggest it. And then if it doesn't match what I want to see in my future, then it's my decision to, to but, move on.
1: But my point here is, in your life, you're never kind of satisfied. You you didn't find that niche and kick your feet back and you know say, okay, I'm at the top and I'm going to cruise along at 100 grand a year and paid vacations and doing it. You decided, okay, I'm going to risk everything. I'm going, I'm going to the next level. So you quit Harmons. what's going on next?
0: Um, I decided that I'm going to open my company uh, I quit Harmons because of those reasons and then I decide, you know, the only way I can see my dream fulfilled is if I do it myself. Yeah. Um I had some money saved thanks for UVU. Um basically my entire retirement money went into creating feelings and emotions. I had two other partners that came in with me that are not longer part of of our business anymore. Uh one of them, thank goodness. Um, but but that was one of the biggest lessons for me is to understand when you open a business to, to understand what kind of partners you want and how to make sure you leave everything very, very clear from the very get-go. Right. Um, again, the idea that I already knew what I wanted to do, the, the image of my business was clear. I've been building it since I worked for all these other companies. And if I had somebody jumping with me, they needed to understand that. Quit that that safe
1: job where they adored you at Harmons, where you could spend the rest of your life. They still do. They still adore you. Yeah. Um, And 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 you started in the very first place was not pretty. Oh no! The real estate and the place and the you know it was horrible. Some
0: some customers call it the dump. Like right now, they they didn't tell me back then, but when they they came back and now they look at where we are right now, they said, "Do you remember when you know you had that little dump around the corner?"
1: <laughs> okay, so you're in the dump and slowly you're building the business, but mm-hmm. as this is happening, you, how did you get on those reality TV shows? So I I understood
0: very early um, that that the internet was, I mean, and I went already, I mean, I went to college for that a little bit, and I knew technology was gonna be very important in the development of whatever I wanted to be, whatever I want my business to be. So I, the decision of opening my business came from telling my followers online and asking them what will happen if I open a shop, and the response, I mean, the amount of people interacting with that message told me, this is the way I'm gonna grow my business. So I was very, very active on social media. And I did, I mean, I ran, not only did I bake every day, I I worked 16 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day for around two and a half, three years. Um, And including that, all my social media, all my banking, all my payments, all my HR, I took care of basically everything. Um, the you know, the initial partners helped me at the beginning, but after that, it was, I have, of course, then I started hiring people and I had employees that I had transfer responsibilities, but the running of the business was sold on by me. But now you decide,
1: um, okay, there's a broader, broader audience out there mm-hmm. and I, I want to hit hit them so how did you get on big brother so big
0: brother happened because of social media they saw my post they saw your post they saw my post and they saw the interaction and they saw the pictures of the items i was creating so
1: you're on the then they invite you to be on the food network
0: yeah they call and say hey we saw your things and we saw your newspaper mag i mean your newspaper uh, uh post and you know your interviews with Sole Magazine, et cetera, and I think that you'll be a great candidate to come and do a show with us. And I said, uh, of course. Funny enough, the plan of being on national TV was, it, it, it actually happened naturally, but it was written on my business plan. Oh, please. I'm serious, I can show it to you. With wow. the date, it was in there. It just happened six months later than what I expected.
1: So, did you go to LA or go to New York? Where did you go? I went to LA. You live in this little house with all these other chefs, and we they're lived going, in a hotel. and they're mm-hmm. going every week. And you, they, they're. Every day. I mean, day. everybody's screaming at you. I mean, it was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever seen. You came in second the first time.
0: No, no. I don't know. We, I didn't win, but I did eight episodes of t- national television. Eight
1: episodes on the Food Network. Yes. And then you went back again. And Somebody then, well, else invited you. Wait, what you.
0: happened is right after I finished that show. During the, mo- the process of making that show, and right after I finished the show, my business grew a hundred and seventy-five percent.
1: Just in Salt Lake.
0: Just in yeah, just I mean, just just, just yeah. out of my little tiny uh, dump. Yep. Um. And and then. Uh, you know, I was, I was approached by the Condis, the people, the Condis Candies, uh-huh. and they say, "Hey, we are. And I had issues with the landlord. She wanted to charge me more, and she, you know, she wasn't going to do any the improvement." Dump the, the dump lady. The dump lady. So the people from from Condis told me, "Hey, we have this space over here. Would you like to move over here? It's so around the corner, so I could just put all my equipment on wheels and move it around." <laughs> Um, and they were very, also very generous. They really, really want us to be there. And I make the decision that it's time to grow.
1: And the name, what is it? It's. Emotions. Feelings. Feeli- feelings. feelings. and emotions. Feelings and emotions. No, feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions. Yes. Yes, it's so yeah. it rolls off your tongue. Wait, your is girl. that like Cuban? Who would think of that if it's a name? Oh so, that's, so that's not I mean exactly I, I
0: spent hours trying to find out what I wanted to call my business and, and you know it was like Sweet Ambrosia <laughs> or <laughs> what did you? you know, uh, the silver fork, uh, the <laughs> you know, the 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 whipped whipper, whatever <laughs> we wanted to call it. And I fin- finally decided that it had to be something smart assy. Yeah. Um, something that will mean something and, and, and people will understand something when I say it. So when I say feelings and emotions, people think I'm saying feelings and emotions. Yeah. But if you search for feelings and emotions on the internet, you will still find feelings and emotions, the bakery. Really? And that's so that's the, how big you've become. And that was the goal. All
1: right. So you move, you wheel everything out. You Now you're on uh, Main, Main Street. Street. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're back to television again, right? Yes. So somebody else time. from another show invites you.
0: Yes. The best baker in America.
1: The best baker in America. Mm-hmm. And you came in second in that one, right? No. Which one did you come in? No, did you ever come actually, in second or am I making it no, up?
0: No, I never came in second. I've never won anything until the next story.
1: Okay, but, uh, I'm pretty sure you came in second the no, next one on that baking but in America, but I did six
0: more episodes on national TV, and that is what makes a difference. the The thing is, right now, uh, by the time I'm done, I have eight in one side and six in another, so that's that's 14 episodes with the internet. How it is right now, available for everybody ah, at all times. So it isn't so just being on the food no, channel. It's between reruns. Yep. Between Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and YouTube, my TV shows you're are there famous. forever.
1: So that just recently,
0: mm-hmm. somebody
1: calls from New York, I think, this time, right? Actually,
0: it was Buddy Balastro.
1: Buddy Balastro.
0: Buddy Balastro, the cake okay. bus. The
1: famous, I mean, if you're into the Food Network, and I'm really into eating, not so much cooking, but... Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who this guy is, right? Yes,
0: everybody knows who Body Balastro is.
1: And this Versace of baking calls you and says, look, I've got a contest called.
0: Well, let me be honest. It wasn't him. It was his producers. producers. (laughs) I talked to him later after I decided that the contract wasn't beneficial to me and I said I was not going to show up.
1: Oh my God, what a pain in the butt. Exactly,
0: right. that's what I wanted to be. But, but, but at the end, it was like I, I wasn't going to sacrifice my business for another TV show. I understood what I was doing. Uh, and then Buddy was uh, you know, uh, gracious enough to call me personally and, and tell me and convince me that what I was doing wasn't going to hurt me or my business. So you head to New York yes. this time. New Jersey.
1: New Jersey, you head to New Jersey. And the name of this show is?
0: Bake You Rich.
1: Bake you rich mm-hmm. and there's six contestants of four, four contestants and this time you win. yes. And you get a million dollars in a new car
0: neither of those
1: neither of those but you get something more important you get i get
0: a, i get bragging rights right? and i get to have body balastro produce one of my signature items and sell it all over the country and
1: that's what's happening now
0: and that's what's happening right now my cuba meat pies are now produced and sold by body balastro all over the country
1: and they are so good they are i good. mean if if moses had known about alberto's Cuban meat pies, there would have been another commandment.
0: It would have been. Actually, I think it is now.
1: Yep. Yeah, thou yeah. shalt not eat that. You shall it's not, too not good. eat that. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I see. That's too many not-nots in there. All right. So big success. How many employees? Uh, right now we are 29 and you've got a bakery in Provo? Provo. Mm-hmm. And you And you deliver bread everywhere and pastry no, no, I, stuff I actually and good bro- Well, stuff.
0: we, uh, again, thanks to my connections and my relationships with, that I have built over the years, I produce all the biscotti for Granados. I produce all the macarons for all the Harmon grocery stores. Uh-huh. Um, so, again, there goes to networking and making sure you don't burn any bridges. Um, I produce all the cookies and um, products for Fist drinks. That's over 30 stores right now. And we partner right now uh, with the Sapa Group, owners of... Um, Pugatorio, Sapa Restaurant, Five Fish, etc. They're actually business partners with us, and uh, we produce all the desserts for all the restaurants. Mm. We're actually partner. Uh, uh, just finished partnering with SSP America. It's one of the biggest. Um, um, Franchisees or you know developers of uh, restaurants for airports in the country. Actually, they're from England, and we will be opening our uh, location at the new airport terminal August of 2020. Oh my
1: goodness! It's, I understand that's just like a like a place where you can just print money. Well, the airport. Yeah. I, mean, well, I don't know. think I don't think
0: it's gonna be. It's not about the money, but it's the first time that we will have international access of you know customers to take our product anywhere in the country i it's, mean in the world
1: it's exciting
0: yeah it is very exciting
1: so what's um what's i want to ask you what's left but first i wanted you to talk about how you give back i mean if if ever there's something that needs to be done there's there's a story of a great community of unitarians who have a a young family that they're giving sanctuary to and i said Alberto, can you help them? The next thing I know, you're raising thousands and thousands of dollars by donating food and then baked goods and having a bake sale. Then the next year, you get, again, thousands and thousands of dollars from a bake sale, decide to drive to the border and help refugees who are on the border. Remembering your time on the border, mm-hmm. your heart is, is, is big. So what do you have left? What do you want to do? What, what is the vision here?
0: So, uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a, the biggest vision, the, the, the biggest future I see for me and where I'm going. Apart from having bakeries all over the country, uh, whenever I'm able to, depending on the market and whatnot, uh, it's, it's sharing this knowledge that made me successful with others. I, I want to teach. I always have. I still do. Uh, and I want to be able to do so. So the biggest challenge, and I want to do it in two different ways. Once I do a, a you know, pastry school here in Salt Lake City, which I want to open sooner than later, and the second one and final dream will be to teach the people of my country in Cuba how to bake so that they can eventually have their own businesses and, and be independent and successful and take care of the families and hold, uh, grow their community back there. Mm. Uh, that's the ultimate dream. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but definitely it is in the books.
1: If I know anybody that can make it happen, it's you, Roberto. The so the name of the bakery, the place where people right now listening can go to is Emulsions and... It's Feelings
0: and emotions.
1: Okay, feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions. Yes. Okay, it's emotions and feelings. Feelings and emotions. <laughs> okay. Feelings and emotions. Feelings, so Latin- right, feelings and emotions. Yeah, like yeah. the <laughs>
0: Feelings in a Twinkie.
1: Like that song, right? Yeah. Feelings like and emotions. Nothing more than You know you're not going to
0: confuse them, right? Like, don't okay, matter what okay, you okay, search okay. for, you're going to find okay, us. Okay, all right. So, and then remember, we also have a location in Provo on Center Street. So, we're in 1475 South Main Street. Mm-hmm. We are, in Salt Lake. In uh, Salt Lake. We're at 326 West on Center Street in Provo. We are uh, available, uh, our macarons are available on all the Harmons. Mm-hmm. We produce the cookies for all fist drinks and soon will be open at the airport and you
1: can buy those cuban meat pies too right and on you can the, buy those the,
0: cuban meat pies carlos bakeries.com
1: carlos bakery.com and, that, yeah. and those are going out all over the country all every over the day country. yep well what an american success story it and it's just beginning i get the feeling it is just beginning alberto diaz thank you so much for joining us today on Inside Salt Lake with Jim Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.